Welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, January 7th, 2023. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, January 5th, 2023 are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study share ID number is 21008-2008. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study, the share ID number is 21009-21009. This morning, A Vision for You presents New Year Q&A for 2024. And good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. This is the new year, a great beginning for all of us, filled with hope, promise, and possibility. As with any new beginning, there are loads of questions, but here they are specific to compulsive overeaters in the textbook that we're using for today. What will this all mean? What can't, what, how can we even begin to understand the words that are written in this big book? Well, I'm thrilled to see you here today for our special New Year Q&A for 2024. Today, we're diving deep into the first 164 pages of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous with your questions to better understand how its principles can guide us in overcoming compulsive overeating. There will be no formal presentation today. It'll be about questions that you conjure up. This day was created for you. The entire meeting will be filled with your questions focused on the first 164 pages of the Big Book. It is your opportunity to ask those burning, curious sometimes vague, sometimes confusing questions, confusing themes that lie within the first 164 pages of the big book. How is this big book set up and outlined? We're going to figure that out today with your questions. Our presenter, who combines personal experience with a deep understanding of these teachings, will answer your questions and help us explore those foundational concepts. Please keep your questions focused on the content of the first 164 pages of the big book. Please remember to be respectful and considerate for the diversity of our community and the 12 steps in your questions. Please be mindful of our 12 traditions of OA when asking your questions. And also please make sure that when you unmute to hear your voice, that it is a question that you're asking rather than a statement or a compliment please today because hopefully we'll have a lot more people to be answering these questions. And then also, please mute your phone as soon as you've asked your question to minimize background noise. And also, because we will not have time for conversation back and forth with the presenter in the interest of allowing others to be able to ask their questions today. And it is my pleasure to introduce the, to the one eager to answer your queries today, a respected and longstanding member, member of the Overeaters Anonymous community and a vision for you community. Not only has he personally navigated the journey of recovery as a compulsive overeater recovered, but he's also dedicated his life to the study and understanding of the precise directions for recovering from this grand textbook, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, guiding others on their path. His deep understanding of the big book's principles and the history and his compassionate approach to sharing its knowledge make him an invaluable resource for us all. Known for his tireless service and unwavering commitment, he has inspired countless individuals with his altruistic spirit. With his altruistic spirit. Please join me in warmly welcoming this ray of hope and transformative person in our OA family, Harlan G. from oh, Arizona. Thank you very much, Melanie. My God, how do I follow that? That's incredible. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. And... Um, 
I am Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I can assure you there will be no snow today. Uh, so I'm really happy to be here. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background on me, and then we're going to open it up for questions and answers. Uh, I was about 335 pounds as a senior in high school. I was 600 pounds by the time, or 500 pounds by the time I was a sophomore in college. I was 600 pounds at the time I graduated college, and eventually in the late 80s, uh, after I had been in OA and then in and out and out, or the mid-80s, I reached a weight of over 700 pounds. Food has always been a uh, solution to my problems. When I was very, very young, I looked at the world through a fence, and I saw people, and I saw them, and they seemed, key word is seemed, very much at ease with life, very much at ease with one another. And I was scared, and I felt alienated from the world that I was born into. I always felt less than. I always felt like I didn't quite measure up, and that was a feeling that haunted me my and from the time I was born, because my weight has been an issue my entire life, I have vivid memories of being three, four, five years old and doctors and people screaming at my mother and father uh, about how fat I was getting and how much food I was eating. At some point in my infancy, something entered my mouth that made everything feel okay. Something came into my mouth that gave me what Dr. Silkworth calls the effect. And for about nine or ten seconds, I felt the way I thought others felt all the time. And something sent me into a euphoria when I was eating certain things. Broccoli? No. Cauliflower? No. Almond Joys? Yes. Kit Kats? Yes. Pizza? Yes. Fried foods? Yes. Those things gave me that effect that made everything okay. I mean, I said I was going to cut my bio short. Here is what I will tell you. After a life of hell and torture, after a life of missing out on dreams, missing out on everything that was normal in a life, missing out on passion, missing out on the dreams and the career that I could have had. I am alive today by the grace of God and the fellowship of this program. I came in here being dragged by the ear on the 2nd of February, 1979, on a freezing cold Friday night in Chicago. A long story short, I have 25 years of blissful abstinence. It's not that I fight food. I just don't want it. I'm in a place of neutrality. I am safe and protected. This program worked for me. It is the only thing that works for me, and I have dedicated my life to living it to the best of my ability. And when I'm given the opportunity, I pass what I've learned to other people. I am a believer in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I am a believer that this is not a program for people who need it. It is not a program for people who want it. It is a program for people who do it. I've lost a little over 500 pounds. I am abstinent, as I said, 25 years. Just to sort of proactively answer a question that 
comes up every time we've done this. And this is about the fourth or fifth year in a row that we have started the year with the questions and answers. And I love doing it. I'm honored. I'm honored to be here with you. I'm just going to answer a question proactively. My daily routine is the first step I do every day is 11. And I do steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. I sponsor more people than I should. I take people through the steps, and I also sponsor. I, <clears throat> excuse me. I also take. I not. I don't take them. I guide people that I have been with for a very long time. I have a sponsor, and I am a sponsor. I am a believer in contacting my sponsor every day. But as I said, I get up, and the first step I work is 11, and I work steps throughout the day. I do not believe that a day should start without two hours of a vision for you. I cannot go to the later meeting, the one that begins at 10 o'clock Eastern time, because I'm working at that time, but I go to the early two hours. The first hour is recorded, and the second hour is not recorded, but I am a believer that every day should start with a vision for you. Hopefully that you're here, you believe that too. I believe that a vision for you is the renaissance of OA. I believe that the service that Melanie, Leah, Amy, KDF, uh, and, and others have done to get this going, the sun will never set on their service. And I believe that they have, not single-handedly, but they have together as a group restored recovery to Overeaters Anonymous at a time when it was continuing to spiral down. I believe that a vision for you is an integral part of anyone's recovery, should be an integral part of anyone's recovery. So that said, that's my daily routine. That's my comments. Melanie, let's throw it open for questions and uh, let's get this party started. That sounds fantastic to me, Hart. I'm beautiful. Beautiful way to start this. And this is our annual Q&A for you that have interest in whatever questions that come to you from 164. Please formulate your comment in the form of a question today for all of us. And I wanted to say today is January 7th, 2024, in the event that I said anything other than that, January 7th, 2024. So the lines are now open for those questions. If you have a question for Harlan about the first 164 pages, please unmute your phone by pressing star one and offer your first Connie name, Gray. first name of your last name. Sure. And immediately sure. upon asking your question, please press oh. the star one and unmute your phone and, again. and this morning, I'm going to start at the very beginning because I heard nobody as I was speaking. So who would Irene, I got Janice. And Janice P.M. and Janice P.M. Elena C. Elena C. Harry B. Jerry, is it? Terry. Terry. Terry? Yes, Terry B. Okay. Terry B., thank you. Another with questions, please, because I missed some. I know I did when Cindy, I was speaking. Cindy N. Cindy N., like Nancy, uh-huh. Okay, let's go with that then. Those that, were, that asked previous and I missed, I'm sorry, you'll come back up next. But the first Connie question G. For, hi, Connie. The first question goes to Janice P. and then Elena C. Hi, Janice, your question this morning. Yes, good morning to you. And of course, good morning to Holland. Thank you. Um, no, nobody better to answer the question because he's so simplistic. 
makes it very clear when somebody asks a question, he gives it very clear so everybody can understand it. So my question is, do you, uh, does a compulsive overeater, quote, crave the substance before we pick up the bite? Or is it an obsession of the mind? I get this question so much. <laughs> okay. Janice, we are taught in the doctor's opinion that mm-hmm. the craving, and we're just, remember, we're just talking really about semantics because the yearning, the strong yearning for chocolate, that yearning for pizza or whatever it is you're yearning for, in in vernacular that we use every day is, man, I crave a pizza. Man, I crave some chocolate. But let's stick to big book te- uh, terminology. And according to the big book terminology, the only way that I can really crave something is to first put it in my body. So when I have this thought in my head that says, man, I would like an Oreo cookie. I haven't had one for 15 minutes. Certainly in the last 15 minutes, I've proven that I can handle this on my own by myself. I think I want an Oreo cookie. That is the mental twist. And that takes its tap root in a discomfort that we have emotionally, that we have this discomfort that we are not at ease with the world that we are born into. So that thought that I want an Oreo cookie is part of the mental twist. Now, I'm not going to use the words mental obsession because that didn't come into play until 1950 when Bill wrote the 12 and 12. There's no mental obsession mentioned in the big book of AA. There's the, the strange mental twist. That's what he's talking about. And then there's the mental blank spot which is the built-in forgetter. So to answer this question, the thought that I want chocolate, the thought that I want whatever it is I want, is born in the mental twist. And then once it's in my body, I will actually want it more, exponentially more than when I first picked it up. That is a part of the craving, the physical allergy. And that allergy is what sets me apart from the normal temperate eater, that physical allergy. So I hope that answers it, Janice, and uh, thanks. And it's good to hear your voice as well. Appreciate that. As a first question of today, that was an excellent answer. Thanks for the question, Janice P. From Mass, Elena C., your question, please. South Carolina. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Harlan. I'm so glad you're here this morning. And, you know, I, um, I want you to uh, please talk a lot more about um, the importance of working with others, working with others, and why is that so important? Thank you. Well, uh, I only have an hour and a half, but I'll try to pare that down <laughs> for you. Uh, let's take a look at some things that, that kind of jump out at us very, very quickly. Now, if we take a look at the paragraph that we finished on Vision for You on Friday, and if you were on a Vision for You on Friday, that would be January the 5th. Let's take a look at the paragraph that we read in the morning. It's on page XXVII. That's XXVII in the fourth edition. And this is the paragraph that we read. It says here, 
Many years, well, later, I'm sorry, many years, this is a paragraph from Thursday. Thursday. Many years ago, one of the leading contributors to this book came under our care in this hospital, the Towns Hospital, and while here, he acquired some ideas which he put into practical application at once. When we're talking about putting it into practical application, we are not talking about philosophizing or trying to figure out or understand. We are talking about action. Let's take a look at the paragraph that we read on Friday. Later, he requested the privilege of being allowed to tell his story to other patients here, and with some misgiving, we consented. The cases we have followed through have been most interesting. In fact, many of them are amazing. The unselfishness of these men as we have come to know them, the entire absence of profit motive and their community spirit is indeed inspiring to one who has labored long and wearily in this alcoholic field. They believe in themselves and still more in the power which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. In other words, these guys, Fitzmayo, Bill Wilson, Hank Parkhurst, Jimmy Burwell, I'm now just sticking to the New York guys. I'm not talking about Akron. I'm just sticking to the people that Silkworth had contact with. These guys were highly effective at carrying the message. Why was that? Well, we're going to learn not tomorrow, but Tuesday, or Wednesday, excuse me, no, Tuesday, that we are I'm, I'm now on the next page, XXVIII. It says, the message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. Now, let's go to the cherry on top of the Sunday, and that's on page 89. And on page 89, we are given a promise that is so ironclad that it cannot be disputed. It says here simply, practical experience shows that nothing, not almost nothing, nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. And so we are, and there's more, I could, I could give you more stuff here, but we're pushing time. Dr. Bob is a beautiful example. He got sober on the 10th of June. Actually, I'll let you in on a secret. He got sober on the 17th of June. But Bill and Bob were not great when it came to dates. But if you Google the 1935 uh, American Medical Association convention, you will find it did not end on the 10th. It started on the 10th. He didn't get home till the 17th. But let's leave that aside. Let's assume for the sake of this little scenario that he did get sober on the 10th of June, 1935. He called on Bill Dotson on June the 26th, 1935, 16 days after he got sober. Now, I can't see any of you. And remember, this Bill Dotson was not the first person that Bill and Bob called on at Akron City Hospital. He was the third person that they had called on. So Dr. Bob was sponsoring Bill Dotson 16 days after getting sober. Show of hands, and I can't see you because this is on the phone. Show of hands, everybody. Everybody, how many of you were sponsoring 16 days after you got abstinent? Okay, I see one in the back, and I see two over there. Okay, three of you out of the hundreds on the line. 
That means we have to work the program quickly rather than slowly. But to answer your question, Elena, how important is it? Well, I'll give you how important it is. Without sponsoring others, you will not recover. I'm going to say that again because that's a heavy statement. Without sponsoring others, you will not, you will not recover because the 12th step is just as important as any other step. And by deciding you're not going to do it, that is indeed self-will run riot. I'll close this question with this from Clancy Immislin, who's one of my heroes. Clancy Immislin teaches us, and God rest his soul, Clancy Immislin teaches us that we do not learn this program by absorbing spiritual information. We learn this program by transmitting spiritual information. No sponsoring means you're not going to recover. Elena, thanks for the question, and we're ready to take another one. Thank you so much, Elena, for your question. Carrie B., your question here this morning, and then it's followed by Cindy N. Star one, Carrie. Hi, hello, good morning. Um, nice to speak with you, Harlan, finally. Um, my question is really about, um, you know, I've read and I've heard that you can't start to work the steps until you put the food down. Correct. And my question, my question is, for somebody who's just coming out of the food, so the physical allergy is still triggered, still have the substance running through their body, and of course the mental twist, how is it possible without that needed power and work, you know, that we get from working the steps to actually put the food down? You can actually do it, and you've done it before, and we've all done it before. It's called going on a diet. You put the food down for two days, and then you put it down for the rest of your life. But what we're going to do is for two days you need to put the food down and keep the food down. On page XXX of the doctor's opinion, that's XXX, it says toward the bottom of the page, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Now, there are three other places in the doctor's opinion where he tells us to put the food down. You can put the food down if you want this enough. And you will put the food down if you want this enough. There is no such thing as can't. We've done it before. We're going to do it again. And for two days, actually for about the first week, it's going to suck the wazoo. You're going to go through physical withdrawals. Cindy, you are going to have a lot of headaches and a lot of nausea. And you are going to walk around thinking you'd be better off dead. Because most people do not keep the food down. You must remember this, and you need help remembering it. I can do this. I can do this if I ask God for help. I can't do it on my own. But to sit in, in, the, in the boxing ring with your dukes up, with your fists up, saying, I'm going to fight the urge to eat that food, forget it. I must call upon a power greater than myself. And how do I do that? Well, I make phone calls. Well, I go to meetings. Well, I pray. Recovery today is easier than it's ever been. You have a vision for you. You have Sunday special editions. Hundreds of Sunday special editions are available to you to listen to at any hour, day or night, and they are free. 
you have a cell phone, I'm going to assume, you have a cell phone that has free long distance. When I came in in 1979, that was unheard of. Long distance in 1979 was still something that was quite expensive. When I was a little boy, long distance was extremely expensive. You had to stay. You had to call the long distance operator and stay off the phone, and they would call you. I mean, it was it was a pain in the butt. You have tools at your disposal that allow you, Cindy, to to get assistance at staying out of that food. And if you want this bad enough, if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, you will stay out of that food. And remember this, and then I'm gonna, we're going to take the next question. Cindy, if you want different, you got to do different. And if someone keeps picking up the food and keeps picking up the food, you have to remember, I need help. I can't do it alone. And if I want different, I have to do different. And uh, I think that that answers the question. So let's move on, Mel. Thanks, Harlan. And just to, to let you know, that was Terry B. And Terry B., I believe, is from Canada. Cindy, oh, and your question. Oh. Yeah, I, I mentioned the two. It's my it's mine. Um, Cindy Ann is up Hi. with her question, and then it'll be um, Connie G after Cindy. But this is Cindy from Pennsylvania. Cindy from Pennsylvania. Okay. Hi. Hi, Carlin. I appreciate you so much. Cindy Ann, recovering in Pennsylvania. My question is, can a recovered compulsive overeater take someone through the steps and not necessarily be their sponsor? Thank you. Taking someone through the steps, Cindy, is being a sponsor. Uh, I, I can't. I, it would be like you asking me if you were a uh, if you were a uh, bird that flew, could you be one that just flew? I, I don't. It, it, taking someone through the steps is being the sponsor. That is the job of the sponsor. So I wouldn't really know how to address that. I, I really wouldn't know how. If you take me through the steps, you're my sponsor. So I guess what you're doing is you're looking for another name for it. I really don't know. That's one that I really can't address because taking someone through the steps is being a sponsor. I'm sorry. Mel, Thank you, Cindy, and for the Thanks. question and the clarification. Yeah. Connie G is up for a question now, Harlan, and then we're going to open okay. up for additional questions. We have plenty of time. All right, Connie, what do you got? Hi, my name is Connie G, and I'm from Texas. And, Mr. Harlan, thank you. I truly respect you and have learned a lot from your time. I've been abstinent now for a little over two and a half years, and this is beyond my water screen. My concern is right now, and as some people say, you know, I'm playing with my food plan, altering things around, but how do you not become complacent or variations in your food plan over time uh, and, and not consider that breaking your abstinence? So uh, I'm just trying to decide where does that lie. <clears throat> Connie, I've got a little bad news for you. Um, I like birthdays, and I have a birthday that's great because my birthday is when usually it's good weather, and I have a lot of friends who celebrate my birthdays with me and uh, someone special who I hope will celebrate it with me. But I've got a little bad news for you. When you go to your own birthday party, every time you go, you're going to have to give up some food. Because as you age, your food plan is going to have to be pared down a bit. Because as you age, especially when you get to be over 60, uh, the body just needs less food. 
So that is going to be a fact. I use the services of a nutritionist. I do not make these decisions by myself, and I weigh myself once a week. Now, I know that there are people on this line that suffer from anorexia. I know that there are people on this line that celebrate, that celebrate, that suffer from bulimia. I know there are people who come here and say, I don't weigh myself anymore. And to them, my hat is off. I weigh myself every Friday, every week I weigh myself. I have the right to know how much do I weigh. If I see my weight creeping up, I sound the alarm and I say something is wrong, something working. I make changes and if I have to, I call the nutritionist, I call other people, I get feedback. Now, to answer the unphysical part of your question and that is how do I keep this green, how do I keep this fresh? The only way that I know of, and this goes back to the first question about sponsorship, the way that I keep my program green is to sponsor other people. And if you're not sponsoring other people, Connie, are you sponsoring other people? She must have muted. Okay. Connie, if you're not sponsoring other people. Uh, yes, sir. I just finished sponsoring two people. I do need to get a new sponsor. See, there's no but such I thing am... as finished. There's no such thing oh, as finished. Oh, okay. There's a circle around the triangle, which is the symbol of AA. And the circle represents perpetuity. There is no finishing. We okay. are in this program forever. There is no finish. There's no graduation date. If you graduate from this program, you will hear these words very soon. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order, please? You'll hear those words very, very soon. So there's no such thing as finished. We keep doing it in perpetuity. But you need and absolutely must have people that you are sponsoring, and you must have people that you are in contact with all the time. In other words, you need meetings, you need sponsorship, you need to keep your program green by giving it to others. And without doing that, you are going to get complacent, you are going to get bored, you are going to get these things because the food is going to keep calling you louder and louder and louder and the food is going to have to be told to shut up and the only thing that's going to be that's going to effectively tell the food to shut up is your service is a sponsor and without that I would you, you, there's no way to stay out of it so I hope you haven't colored outside the lines with your food I hope that you are still abstinent and everything in there is copacetic. But if you want different, you got to do different. So don't tell me that you're done sponsoring. No such thing. Mel, let's take the next one. Sounds great. I wanted to, to invite folks and mention that if you're just coming in this morning, you're arriving now a little bit late, this is our annual questions from the 164 pages of Big Book. Harlan is here to answer any of those questions that you have for yourself. So if you'd like to get prepared, we are going to open up the lines now for, to take additional names for questions about the big Rivka book. Rivka R. Rivka R. Joe C. Robin P. Robin Joe C. Robin P. Anyone else? Barbara A. Barbara A. Amy N. Amy or Irene N. Okay. Anna M. 
Say again. Ashley F. Before Ashley, there was a person that said their name. Who was that? Bonnie B. Anna. Anna N. Anna N. Bonnie B. Anna N. Okay, let's go with that and see what happens after this. I have Riska, Joe, Robin, Barbara, and Arini, Anna, Ashley, and Bonnie. Let's start back up at the top of the list with Riska. Your question, please. Riska R. Hi. Good morning. Um, I just want to thank you so much, Harlan and Melanie, for all you do. Um, and my question is, what do you do about a sponsee who doesn't experience the fifth step promises after she does the fifth step? I mean, I, we, we read the promises, and, and she said, uh, well, I, I feel good it's over with. Like, I, I don't know. I was stumped. Okay. <laughs> Go to step six and seven as quickly as you can, then eight and nine. Keep going. Don't stop. Okay, great. Don't stop. Don't stop. Uh, sometimes different situations you know, are relative to different people. What I experienced in step five was an amazing, amazing, eye-opening awakening, a, a, a spiritual awakening of sorts, but a definite epiphany. Uh, let's leave the word awakening out of there. I had a definite epiphany. I remember doing it uh, on many occasions. I mean, I haven't done just one. I've done many. But when I take step five, I have an epiphany as to who I am. Not everybody's going to have that same epiphany. They may not have been as serious about step four as I had to be, whatever. But keep if they're abstinent, Rivka, if they're, if they're compliant with, you know, their food uh, situation and they're doing step four and then step five and they don't seem to have something in the way of an experience that matches yours or matches whatever, keep going. There's no reason to stop. Six and seven should take a minute if they take that long. Uh, eight, you know, get them started on eight, and then immediately get them started on instructions for nine and eleven. You know, keep them moving very quickly. Don't stop the train. Don't stop the train. And that's my answer. Thanks, Rivka. Thank you, Rivka R. from Maryland for your question. Joe C., where are you from? And your question, please. Go on real quick, Joe. Joe? Not hearing anything. Yeah, she's going to come back here just one second. Okay. Star one, Joe. All right. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I thought I was unmuted. Thank you, Harlan. Always lovely to hear, hear you uh, with your um, spiritual nuggets and stuff. I have a quick question. Um, can... Can a can I sponsor someone who who is uh, four hundred pounds when I haven't experienced that? I I'm a fifty pounder. Not a problem at all. The book is okay. the same. The steps are the same. The work is the same. Everything is exactly the same. There is okay. no. There's nothing in this book that says if you drank two bottles of whatever whiskey a day you can't sponsor someone that drank six bottles of whiskey a day it's the same it doesn't change we don't tailor make uh we don't tailor make uh, a program based on how much you weigh yes it's going to take that 400 pounder a longer time to reach uh, to be at or a, you know at a, a normal body weight but the definition of abstinence is this 
We abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working toward or maintaining a healthy body weight. She can be working toward a healthy body weight. If she was 398 two weeks ago and now she's 396, she is fine. She's working toward a healthy body weight. So don't let it throw you, Joe. Just sponsor this person, and all that takes for you to sponsor this person is not to have achieved a, a, a weight on the scale. All that's required is that you take them through the big book as quickly and efficiently as you can, and if you do that with love, you have done everything for this person that anyone could possibly do, and I'm sure you're going to do a fantastic job. I'll finish the answer with this. If this 400-pound person has questions about anything, they can call other people too. They're not limited just to you, number one. Number two. When you do this, you are going to be helping yourself. You're going to be helping them. You're going to do just fine. And remember this. This is not a program for people who need it. It's not a program for people who want it. It's a program for people who do it. And this person is going to enjoy gifts from you that they are going to hopefully pass on to the next person. And you're going to do just fine. If they want to recover, Joe, Mickey Mouse could sponsor them. If they don't want to recover, Bill Wilson could sponsor them, and they're not going to recover. It's more about them than it is about you. Their recovery is not your responsibility. You are responsible for presenting this information in as discernible a method as you can. You are responsible to match their enthusiasm. Well, you're not responsible for that, really, but match their enthusiasm with enthusiasm for the program of your own and to guide them as best you can. And in the bottom line, in the very end, if you can put their hand in the hand of God, you've done everything you can humanly do. You are not responsible for their recovery. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Okay, Melanie. Thank you very much. Yeah, gotcha. Josie, thank you for your question this morning. She's from Connecticut. Robin T., Costa Rica, your question, please. Thanks so much, Melanie. Hi, Harlan. I'm such a fan. God bless you, and thank you. Thank You're you, one Robin. of my heroes. Thank uh, you. And Melanie is, too. Um, I just, oh, my goodness. So I've been abstinent by God's grace one day at a time for eight years, just celebrated eight years on Christmas, thank God. And um, my sponsor... Uh, that I've had for a few years, she let go of me and her other recovered sponsees because she said, we're doing fine and we don't need a sponsor. I feel like I, as I sponsor other people, I need a sponsor. Go get one yesterday. Go get a sponsor yesterday. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I got one. Uh, I just put it out there and I got a new sponsor. I'm very grateful. I do a nightly review, which I email and or text, and then I do a weekly check-in. Can you share how you... Uh, sponsor your recovered sponsees. Thanks so much, and God bless my recovered, you. Okay, my recovered sponsees call every day, and I will ask them how they're doing. I will ask them, you know, what's going on, and then I ask a couple of pertinent questions. First off is, what are you going to do today for yourself, and what are you going to do today for others? And those are the questions that I ask them every day. What are you going to do for yourself? What are you going to do for others? What's your game plan, given that your disease got worse overnight? This disease is permanent, it is progressive, and if not treated, it is fatal. 
and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And one of the things that you see all the time in OA is, Robin, you need a sponsor. But people that have 8, 9, 10, 20 years of abstinence, they feel like they can just do this on their own. And the disease keeps getting worse and worse and worse, whether you're eating or not. See, this is the big fallacy. As long as I'm not eating, my disease isn't getting worse. Au contraire, mon frere. Not true. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He decided he wasn't going to touch any more liquor until he had been successful in business. For 25 years, he remained bone dry. 25 years is longer than eight years. And it's equal to what I have right now. But 25 years, this guy remained bone dry. He pulled out his carpet slippers in a bottle, and within four years, he was dead. I need a sponsor more today than I ever did. Why? Because I'm older, and my disease is progressing. So every single day, I ask my recovered sponsees, what are you going to do for yourself? What are you going to do for others? And then I remind every so often, like once a week, once every few days, your disease is getting worse and worse and worse. If you don't do something new and different, you're going to die. There is no complacency in OA. Complacency will kill you. You have to work beyond the level of your affect. So you have to keep working harder and harder and doing more and more rather than less and less. Good question, Robin. Thanks. Melanie, we're ready for someone else now. Okay, then it's Barbara H.'s turn for a question, followed by Annie N. from New York. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Harlan, for your service. Um, I, in, when sponsoring, I come across shame, blame, and guilt. And in, in our program, I come across this a lot. Can you share with me, Harlan, quickly? I, I'm, how, how you, Barbara, I need you to repeat that because I was coughing and I didn't hear your question. Okay. I'm sorry. What is it? In, when, in our program and when I'm sponsoring, we come across shame, blame, and guilt. Can you just share how you work with your sponsees when you're confronting shame and blame? When we confront shame and blame and guilt, we work the steps. When we confront joy and happiness and euphoria, we work the steps. When we confront failure, we work the steps. When we confront success, we work the steps. This is an illness of the mind and an illness of the body. And many of us along the path of life have done things that we consider to be shameful. I have lied when the truth would have served me better. I have written bad checks. Now, I never slept with anybody's wife. I never kissed anybody's girlfriend. I never did any of that. But what I have done is I have hurt myself, and I have hurt my parents, and I have hurt the people closest to me that love me very much and continue to love me to this day. The only answer we have is work the steps. God will do the rest. If you're going to stop working the steps, not you personally, Barbara, but you second person plural, if we stop working the steps because of guilt and shame or regrets or whatever, who does that help? How does that help them? You were not put on this earth to live in a veil of tears and
God by saying, well, I just can't recover. I'm going to get extra cheese on my pizza. We all have regrets. We all have things that we regret. We all have things we wish were different. I have them. I bet you have them too. But what we're going to do is we are going to see that our greatest pain, our greatest sorrow, is the absolute ground in which God can save the lives of other people. Dealing with alcohol in its worst aspect, but we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. We try not to indulge in cynicism over the state of the nations, nor do we carry the world's troubles on our shoulders. When we see a man sinking into the mire that is alcoholism, we give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. For his sake, we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. But those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others find we are soon overcome by them. Let these horrors be an advantage. On page 124, I won't read the whole paragraph, but all right, the pain, this, I'll do it. This painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problem. We think each family which has been relieved owes something to those who have not. And when the occasion requires, each member of it should be only too willing to bring former mistakes, no matter how grievous, out of their hiding places. Showing up for how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark pit greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others, with it you can avert death and misery for them. So let's stop wringing our hands. Yes, I'm ashamed of the weight that I carried. Yes, I'm ashamed of, of, of what I did lying and uh, bad checks. Yes, I'm ashamed of some of the things that happened in my life. But what am I going to do about it now? How is now? How is me feeling sorry for myself now? Boo-hoo, 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 poor me. In AA, we'll close with this. In AA, they have an expression. Poor me, poor me, pour me a drink. Self-pity is not a tool of recovery. Self-pity is not going to help me. Go out and work with other people. Share with them your guilt, your shame. Share with them your pain, and you will see a life beyond your wildest dreams. And that's my answer, so thanks, Barbara, for your question. Thank you, Barbara, for your question. Next up is Irene N. from New York. You know who you are? Yes. Hi there. Eating eat, compulsive, um, recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Good morning, my fellows. Good morning, Harlan. I have um, two quick questions. One is, is there an action in step seven? And the second one, in, my, uh, in the beginning of my big book, I have a circle and a triangle, and it says unity, service, recovery. I know that comes from our AA tradition. Is there a significance to the OA logo? 
I don't think that there is much significance to the OA logo. I've been around for 44 years. It'll be 45 February 2nd. I don't think that there is much, but I know that there is to the AA logo. And to get to the other part, no. Step six and seven should take less than a minute. There's no written assignments in steps six and seven. There's no ancillary reading. There's nothing like that. There's nothing in the big book that would speak to that. So you pray the prayer. What steps six and seven basically is, is this. You've just finished your fifth step. You've been given an hour to contemplate what you what you did in step four and five. Now you look back in steps six and seven and you see the destruction of your defects of character. A woman called me up not long ago and said, I have 139 defects of character. No, you don't. You have five defects of character. Selfish, self-seeking, fear, resentment, and dishonesty. Those are the defects of character. Now they there may be behaviors that you manifest as the result of these defects. How did the behaviors and defects that spawn them affect your life? Do you want to be rid of lying? Do you want to be rid of stealing? Do you want to be rid of these things? You pray the prayer and you move on with your program. So no, there's nothing hidden in steps six and seven. You review it in six and say, I want to be rid of this. I say the prayer when I'm willing. If not, I ask for God for willingness. I pray the prayer and I'm on to step eight. There's, you know, these books, you know, the one with the rock, great book, awesome, no problem. There's nothing in the big book that says, asterisk, read this outside book. There's no written assignments in 6 and 7. The only steps that have written assignments are 4, 8, and sometimes 9. 4, 8, and sometimes 9. There are no written assignments in any other step other than 4, 8, and sometimes 9. So... Uh, that's my answer. Thanks. Melanie, let's take the next one. Okay. Thank you, Rainey. And from New York, Anna, your question, followed by Ashley, but Anna's first. Your question, please. A quick star one, please. We'll hear your question. Sorry about that. Thank you. The recovery here is outrageous. Thank you, both Melanie and Harlan. I'm just enjoying your recovery beyond. Um, my question is, and I hope it comes out clear, the original steps that you need to go through, 1 through 12, I hear, you know, officially people go through that again. Do you do that with your sponsors? If I go through 1 through 12 and I don't connect with my sponsor, because that's my fear right now, because that happened in another program, do I need to go officially to the 1 through 12 again if I have a new sponsor? I know we're always going through the steps, but that official 1 through 12 can you Are you sponsoring on other people, Anna? Uh, no, I'm new to this program, but my old program, it really, uh, the sponsorship uh, was challenging, and now I'm just, I'm, you know, again getting sponsorship because I'm, I'm nervous about the whole thing. Well, don't get nervous about anything because the, if you either get one or die, those are your two choices. So, uh, you know, you need a sponsor. You're not getting the guidance that you need, and many of your uh, question, many of your things will be settled by getting a sponsor and going through the steps in OA, and then you will sponsor for the rest of your life. So. Don't worry about any of this. Your job is to get a sponsor. 
you're, there's no official steps. There's no official way to go through them. So I don't really understand that part of it. I don't know of an unofficial way to do this. My strong, strong suggestion to you, Anna, is this. Get a sponsor, work the steps, and all of this will be re- more of the, will be revealed. You won't have any other questions after that. When you walk through it, you're going to be just fine. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you, Anna, for Get your question. Yeah, yep. Get a sponsor. Anna, what's the first initial of your last name? For, and have you registered on the membership list? I have not. Not yet. Okay. I will today. Okay. Please. Okay, good Good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley F., your question, please, followed by Bonnie B. F., recovered compulsive overeater. Um, my question is about accountability regarding food plans um, and abstinence. Harlan, I'm curious if you ask sponsees to communicate with you about uh, if they were or were not abstinent and if you require or request that they send food ahead or send photos or a list and um, how you manage that and or if you do and how it, uh, it's supported in our big book. Thank you. Um, the big book does not deal with food. The big book yeah. was written for alcoholics, uh, hence the name. But the bottom line is every one of my sponsees has a nutritionist. Every one of them has a nutritionist. And as such, uh, they are accountable to that person for their food. They send me pictures of their food. I will brain them. But the bottom line is is that they are at a point where if they are gaining and they're supposed to weigh themselves once a week, then we need to talk. We need to find out what the heck is going on, and I can be helpful there to a point. I cannot be as helpful as someone who understands the disease that is a, has a background in nutrition. Now, how do you tell the difference between a nutritionist that knows this disease and one who does not? Here's how I tell. Maybe yours is different. If a nutritionist tells me that I should be able to eat everything in moderation, that is not a nutritionist I'm going to patronize. I need someone that understands the disease, that understands that, A, we don't add food back, no matter what the weight is, we do not add food back because that will kill me. And B, uh, I cannot eat everything in moderation. So for me, they do not send me their food. They do not send me pictures of their food. But if they are in a struggle situation, we will talk about it. But the main food questions go to their nutritionist. The, main, the food questions go to that person and not to me. There is nothing in the big book that would suggest anything about food at all whatsoever, as this book was not written for uh, Overeaters Anonymous. It was written for Alcoholics Anonymous. But we found years ago, decades ago, that when we work the program verbatim, we work the program as it's written in the big book, we recover beautifully. So I hope that helps. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks. Thank you, Ashley F. from Kentucky. Next up is Bonnie. And after that, we're going to open up for additional questions. We'll have time. Hi, Bonnie. Okay. Hi, Bonnie. Good, good morning, you guys. Thank you so much, um, Melanie and Harlan. Bonnie B., um, living in the state of Florida, recovered for today, um, always working the steps. Thank you so much. So um, Robin P. actually asked part of my question with regards to the role of a sponsor, but I have a couple of other pieces to it. So... When you're sponsoring people, if they relapse, do you still 
connect with them on a weekly basis? Or I connect with and them then, on a daily basis because they will start the steps over again after two days. Um, but if I find that it's now the second, maybe the third time, it's time to let them go, that's an individual call. You want to stay in touch with them, stay in touch with them. You want to, you know, you want to talk to them every day, talk to them every day. There's no OA police. There's no written rules as to what you can or can't do, should or shouldn't do with your phone, with your life. You want to stay in touch with them, stay in touch with them. But the thing not to do is to keep sponsoring them after the third, fourth, fifth relapse, you're not helping them. Page 96 of the big book is very clear. If they're not, if they're not recovering, if they're not doing what you're asking them to do, move on. You're not helping them. So I hope that answers your question. But if you want to keep in touch with someone that relapsed and you were sponsoring that person and it's a decision to move in another direction for them and you, and you want to call them every day, call them. Call them. There's no rules. There's no OA police. And it's, it's an individual call. It's an individual decision. So, Thank you, you know. Bonnie B., for your question. And if you're just coming on, this morning is our annual New Year Q&A. Harlan G. is there to answer your questions this morning about the first 164 pages. Make sure that you do have a question when you come in on the line. Glad that you're here with us. Are there any other questions this morning? Christina J. from North Carolina. Christina J. Toby W. from Boston. Toby W. Rohan. K.P. from South Carolina. Rohan first, and then I'll get to <clears throat> South Carolina. Rohan S. from New Jersey. And then who was the from North Carolina? Uh, it's KP oh. and it's South Carolina. Oh, KP, South Carolina. Okay, great. Thanks, KP. Kathy K. in Boston. Kathy K. Boston. Okay, we've got all voices for now. Christina J., Toby, Rohan, Kay, and Kathy. Your first up, Christina J. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Harlan. Thank you both for your service. Thank you, Harlan, as usual. Um, really appreciate your service. Uh, my questions are, can you talk about, especially towards the newcomer, what the emotional buildup is about? And also, I hear in the rooms a lot, it's not about the food, but it is about the food. I appreciate that. Okay. You may have to remind me about the second one because sometimes I forget. Okay. The first one is the emotional buildup that you asked about. We all have emotions. Normal eaters have emotions, puppies have emotions, babies have emotions. We all have fear and anger and we have doubt and guilt and shame and remorse and happiness and euphoria and accomplishment is an emotion and all these various emotions that go through our that go through our minds. But the one thing that you can look at in a compulsive overeater is that these emotions often become toxic. And when they become toxic and how they become toxic is to build and build and build. And we normally can't handle them. Now, normal eaters, normal everyday eaters, normal everyday non-addicted people can reduce the toxicity of anger and guilt and, and remorse and happiness by, oh, I don't know, having a beer or reading a book, or
or taking a bath or taking a walk or playing tennis or driving out a bucket of golf balls or whatever it is that they do to sort of alleviate the emotional buildup that they have. But we have a brain that knows well that when we eat an Almond Joy, when we eat a Kit Kat or we eat whatever it is, pizza, fried food, whatever it is you like to eat, that takes that edge off, that that'll do the trick for you immediately. It says on page XXVIII, that's XXVIII, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Notice it does not say we drink because we like the taste of an Almond Joy bar. We eat because we like the taste of the crappy pizza. It doesn't say that. We drink because we like the effect. What is that effect? The sensation of ease and comfort. Let's take a look at page one of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in Bill's story, and then we're going to come back to this paragraph. On page one, the very first paragraph of the book says, in its last sentence, I was very lonely, and again, turned to alcohol. doesn't say I was very thirsty. doesn't say I really enjoyed the taste of alcohol. It says, I was very lonely, go back to page XXVIII, I was very lonely, and again, turned to alcohol. Why did he turn to alcohol? Without knowing it, his brain understood that alcohol would make that loneliness go away. When I was feeling guilty and shameful and remorseful about eating railroad cars full of Chips Ahoy cookies, the only thing that would make that feeling of guilt and shame and wanting to kill myself go away was eating another railroad car full of Chips Ahoy cookies. Let's finish this so important paragraph at the bottom of XXVIII. It says, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it's injurious, in other words, we know we're killing ourselves, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. Does that mean I think today's Wednesday? No. What it means is I will eat French fries even though I know they're killing me. I know that French fries were one of the ruinations of my life. French fries took my dreams and threw them in the garbage can. French fries made it possible for me to degradate myself, to be an object of ridicule in the world. God didn't put me on this earth to be an object of ridicule. God put me on this earth to thrive, and French fries took away my dreams. They took away my dreams and isolated me. I went on my first date with a girl. I was 35 years old. I never held a girl's hand. I never had the ability to dream. I will never be someone's first love. I never had the career that I could have had. I never reached the heights career-wise, romance, whatever. Whatever that was while I was in the food, I couldn't get out of my own way. 
And today, because of this recovery, I have a life that's wonderful. I have a romantic life. I have a financial life. God restored me to as much as he could, given what he had, and he did a beautiful, beautiful job. Let's finish this paragraph here. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. So when you see irritable, restless, irritable, and discontented, throw in scared to death, angry as hell, scared to death, angry as hell, happy, I don't know, whatever floats your boat, drinks which they see others taking with impunity, which means they don't get punished for it after they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree. The craving is the physical allergy once it's inside you. Emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, spiritual awakening, spiritual experience, there's very little hope of his recovery. Now, what's the second part of your question? I forgot. Christina? The second part that I recall. Um, Christina, go ahead. I've, I've heard in, in the rooms at times, uh, it, it's not about the food, but it is about the food. What, what well, is that it is. It, yes. It, okay. Uh, now I remember. It's not about the food until it's about the food. And when, when it's about the food, it's about the food. <laughs> My friend Craig F. in Oklahoma, he loves that expression. Here's the deal. This is not just a spiritual growth group. This is not a religion. This is not a social club. This is Overeaters Anonymous. And unless I'm at or approaching a healthy body weight, what am I doing here? There's no such thing as fat serenity. I see people. I'm not one of them. Thank God. I see people all the time that I haven't seen for years in this program. I'm going to the Los Angeles uh, Hilton for the OA birthday on Wednesday. And I'm going to see some people that I haven't seen for a year or two or five. And some of them will be significantly larger than they were the last time I saw them. This is Overeaters Anonymous. We are not here to commiserate in our problems. We are here to seek a spiritual solution to an illness of the mind and an illness of the body and to approach or maintain a healthy body weight. If I am maintaining a level of morbid obesity, what the hell is going on here? Something has to change. One of the things that my sponsor loves and someone that I love also loves is live meetings. One of the things that I don't do anymore is go to live meetings, not because I'm adverse to them, not because I'm lazy, but I go to Vision for You every morning and I go to a Zoom meeting every evening. So I don't usually go to live meetings. But at the live meeting, we can see you. And if you're not at or approaching a healthy body weight, what the hell is going on here and what is this all about? It's not about the food until it's about the food, and when it's about the food, it's about the food. means specifically we are here to be at or approaching a healthy body weight. 
And if we're gaining or maintaining a level of morbid obesity, or we are maintaining a level of anorexia, or we are still purging, something is very wrong. And it has to be addressed. So that's what that expression means, Christina. And I hope that I explained it correctly. But thank you for your question. And Melanie, let's move on because that clock is getting closer and closer. It is ticking. It, it is, is ticking, ticking away, yeah. Toby, you're from New York. Your question, followed by Rohan. Toby's from Boston, unless I'm wrong. Oh, really? Hi. Okay. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. Uh, hi. Hi, Holland. Hi, Toby. How are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself, dear? Thank God. Um, it's a simple question. How does one know that they are recovered and not recovering? Well, it's, it's, it's a simple question. Have you had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps? Let's go to page 84 and let's go to the paragraph following the instructions for step 10. It's the bottom paragraph of page 84 and most of 85. It says, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to get us started here. I'm on page 84. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. Now sanity means that we are going to marry steps 10 and 2. 10 and 2. And one of the things I am a believer is when relapse occurs in most cases in, in people that have had recovery, it is because of a stunting of 2 and a non-working of 10. 2 is a very misunderstood step. And 2 has to be expanded on and amplified all the time throughout as life changes, we have to expand our spiritual growth through prayer, through action. Life changes, so my relationship with God changes. And sanity is deliberately in step two because sanity has a much higher ceiling, an infinitely higher ceiling than recovery. Recovery has a very low ceiling. It just means I'm not, I'm not eating. Okay, let's continue. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. This is our experience. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Now, to keep in fit spiritual condition, I must work at this every single day. And the rest of this page will tell me that I have to do that. But if my life, my thoughts match this, I'm recovered. If I'm not there yet, I'm recovering. But we have to keep working at it. Don't let words get in the way of your recovery. Words can kill you. Don't let recovered or recovering kill you. Keep working your program. 
This is something that people get hung up on, this recovered, recovering, recovery, whatever. Keep working your program and don't let words get in the way. Toby, it's good to hear your voice. I'm glad you're well. I'm glad you're here. And I hope that uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you, Toby, for your question. Yeah, thank you. Rohan F. from New Jersey, your question, please. And then, Kay, you get ready. Yes, thank you, Rohan, a compulsive overeater. Uh, Harlan, my question for you is when a when a newcomer has approached you and is in inter- and interested in you sponsoring them, do you just right away say yes and get right into it, or do you have a vetting process to make sure they're desperate enough or whatever it is you need to see before you can start sponsoring them? I, Thank you. I seldom say yes right away because, number one, I, I get overwhelmed with a lot of requests. But what I want to do is, if I can, do a vetting, a little bit of a vetting process, and then I give them, you know, I can start them if if I feel, you know, we're on the same page. We can start going, but they have to do what I ask them to do. Because on the Harlan train, we go quick. We go very quick. We go a a chapter a day. So you got to be able to keep up with that pace. Because I'm not going to take them through slowly. I'm going to take them through quickly. But, yes, I have a bit of a vetting process. Yes, I do. Thank you very much for your Thanks, question. Thanks. Yeah. Next up is KP from South Carolina, followed by Kathy Kay. Uh, hi, this is KP from South Carolina. Harlan, three questions that uh, I asked my No, no, I'm not asking you three. Three questions I ask my sponsees when we talk is, uh, how is your program? And we talk about that a minute. And how is your food? And then I say, and is there anything you don't want to tell me? And I thought I got those from you. Did I get that you from did. somebody else? I forgot else? the part about. I forgot about what is it you don't want to tell me. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I ask those questions too. You're right. I forgot that one. You know, sometimes when I'm here, I'm looking at the names. I've wrote, you know, I've written down the names, and I get a little mashuga. And sometimes I do, you know, I do forget. But I do ask them, what is it you don't want to tell me? How's your food? That kind of thing. Yeah, we'll talk about all that stuff. You did get that from me, and I have said that, and I do do it. I just wasn't on my game enough to remember. Yeah, what is it you don't want to tell me? Okay. Thanks, Kay. You'd be. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have another question? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Have I lost everybody? No, we're here. We're here. Oh, okay. right here. Just okay. checking to see if she's going to come back. Kay, okay. did you have another question? Well, let's move on just in the interest of time, okay? Right. I didn't yeah. have Kathy another Kay, question. I was just going to comment that you'd be surprised how often they do have something they don't want to tell me. Yeah, they do. And I ask them all the time, is there something you don't want to tell me? Uh, yeah, I do ask that all the time. Yeah, I forgot. About Thanks, that. Harlan. Thanks, Kay. Thanks for holding my feet to the fire. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Kathy Kay, Kathy, what do you got for us today? Yeah, that's your question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Good morning, Harlan. It's great to hear you today. And thank you, Melanie, for your service. I have been wondering about my choices. I've been in program for 30 years now, and about five and a half years ago, I joined OA How, two-hour format. Um, which has prescriptions for how you sponsor and how you work with a nutritionist. 
And it's been a great uh, structure for me. And sometimes I run into conflicts with what Vision for You says about sponsorship and what House says about sponsorship. I've also been to Big Book Awakening meetings. I've really gone all over because I'm thirsty for knowledge and wisdom. Do you see any problem with this, or how do you reconcile the different approaches? Kathy, I love you, but I have no opinion on how. I have no opinion on Big Book Awakenings. Uh, They are not outside issues in in terms of OA or whatever, but they're outside issues for here in Vision. Vision for you is not... Uh, does not oppose nor do they support anything other than we are a healthy OA meeting. We are a meeting that supports OA. We support it financially. We support it emotionally. We are part of OA or we subscribe to OA. And I just don't have any opinions on how, whether it's two hour or one hour, how. I did know Fred Schneider, by the way. Fred, for those of you who don't know, Fred started how. Uh, He was a school teacher in New York, and I did know him. He came to Chicago a lot, and I met him in Evanston. Uh, There was an Evanston Howe meeting in Chicago. For those who don't know, I'm born and raised in Chicago. I was not born and raised here in Arizona. I'm born and raised on the north side of Chicago. I went to Mather High School, graduated in 1972. Um, But I really have no opinion on Big Book Awakenings, and I have no opinion on how, and I cannot venture those opinions here in this format. So I'm very sorry, but I I just, I can't, I can't answer your question. I'm sorry. Thank you, Kathy Kay, for your understanding with that as well, in this light of our traditions here. You know, it looks like we might have time for two more questions, perhaps three, depending on how much we need to answer them. So I would like to open up the lines for uh, three other folks at most for questions. Pete B. Michelle in New York. Michelle. What's the first initial of your last name, Michelle? H. H, like Henry? Yes. Okay. And did I hear Kate? Kate J. Kate J. Okay, we'll see if we can get to you, Kate J. We'll see with with time, but thank you so much. Pete B., your question first. Sure. Thanks, Melanie, for your service. Always great to hear you. And Harlan, I can't say enough about what an inspiration you are. Your transformation, both bodily and mentally, is. uh, I didn't know you before, but it seems like it's substantial, and I get get so much out of what you have to share with us. So my question is this. The book talks about that there is a proper use of the will. It talks about every day we must find out how can I best serve thee, thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly and exercising our willpower. Knowing that the book was written by men that at the time only had three years of recovery or three years of sobriety when it was written. You would have to believe that somehow, some way, there's been some transformation and evolution in the message that's in it. And I just want to understand from your perspective what it means to properly use our will and what that, uh, that, that's in the big book has possibly evolved since when it was written. 
Well, that's a very good question, Pete, and this is my answer. Uh, on page 85 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about uh, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. And so a, a lot of people question, how do I know what's God's will? And then it says here, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. So if I'm looking, and this is repeated on page 87, it's repeated on page 13, which is pure Oxford group. When I am looking to do God's will, it is generally not going to be, I want this and I want that and I need $150,000 so I can buy this condo that I want and I need another 150000 so I can finally get that BMW I've been looking at and I need, oh, I need, I need more money because whatever. No, that's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about using our will to do God's will. And how do we do that? By serving others. How can I best serve thee? Thy will not mine be done. Let's go to page 87. And on page 87, mid-page, it says, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. So we're working steps all the time that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. The problems are the defects of character. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. Again, we're talking about others. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. This paragraph is reflected, if you want to go back with me to page 13, page 13 in Bill's story. Now, this is pure Oxford group. Oxford groupers were people practicing altruism. What is altruism? Altruism is giving of oneself to others with no thought of return. So let's go to page 13. And it is the paragraph near the bottom of the page that begins with, I was to test my thinking. That's page 13 in Bill's story. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems, defects, as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. So we have redundancies here that are built into the book. And Pete, if we look at your question, what is the proper use of the will? The proper use of the will is to work my program and to help others work their program as best I can. So the proper use of the will, once more, is to work my program, because if I'm not in recovery, if I can't swim, I can't save you, to work my program and to help others work their program. When I'm answering questions here in this format, and I've done this now four or five years in a row, we have started the year with questions and answers. And when I do it at the Scottsdale meetings on Zoom, I'm praying a lot of that time for the answer to that question. I'm asking God, how do you want me to answer this question? And that is the proper use of the will. So the proper use of the will once more, and then we'll move on, is how do I help others? 
and that's the proper use of the will. Thanks, Pete, for your question. Thank you very much, Pete. Um, next question would be Michelle H. in Harlem. That'll probably be the last question for today. Kate I'll J. from Illinois. To, I'll try to get Kate yeah. in there. I'll try to get okay. Kate right. by, let's see what okay. Michelle's see question is. It. Maybe it's a quickie. Okay. Michelle? Yes, hi. Uh, th thank you for your time. Um, I've my third uh, program I've been in. Um, first program I was in, did a big book recovery recovered from my um, addiction. Next one, did the big book again with the sponsor, did not recover, which made my food addiction worse. So I'm in OA now. Okay. Uh, I'm nervous about the one I didn't recover from and this addiction feed one another back and forth. So uh, why does somebody not recover? Like uh, based on big book or... I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, there, there, I mean, there, if there's something in the big book that you've seen, or I don't know. You, all you I know need it's a difficult question. Sense. All you need is common sense. There's a lot of people that don't want to recover. They don't want to recover. There's people call me all the time. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I ask them, do you want to get it? Stop looking behind you and look in front of you. If you want to recover, Michelle, and you work these steps like your hair's on fire, like your life depends upon it, you will recover. Rarely have we seen the person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not are people, let me just get the word so I, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. So stop thinking. Stop thinking and stop trying to understand. There's no chapter here how, into understanding. Stop trying to figure it out. Surrender. Our friend Nancy P. in Massachusetts, West Newton, Massachusetts, she says this every time. Surrender, surrender, surrender. I say recover, recover, recover. If you stop thinking and start doing, get a sponsor, work these steps, Recovery is guaranteed. If you don't, you won't. And that's my answer. Let's see if we can get Kate J in under the under the whistle, under the bell. Thanks, Michelle, okay. for your question. Hi, Kate J from Illinois. Thanks so much for taking my question. It's actually a great follow-up to the question that was just asked. Um, I'm recovering in Illinois. I where in uh, Illinois? Near Galena, Illinois. Oh, right. Where President Grant, Grant yep, is yep. from. Yes, President Grant. Ulysses Grant lived there. Okay, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so I, and maybe this is me trying to figure it out, but I, like the person before, um, have been, you know, coming to OA from another program, from getting sober in, in AA. And, you know, a little bit ago, you read the promises, and most of those promises came true by working with steps in that program and the obsession was lifted. I recoil like from a hot flame from those substances. Why, if it's the same steps, did that, did that sanity not translate? Does it not translate to the food? Um, well, sometimes what that. happens is people come into AA and they still have the food that they're eating to sort of lean on. When you come in here, we're the last house on the block. 
And when you don't have the liquor and you don't have the food, it becomes a little more challenging for you. And food is a little more duplicitous. Sometimes you think something works for you when in reality it does not. So what we need is an attitude that says, I'm going to work these steps. I'm going to get a sponsor. I am going to surrender, 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 recover, recover, recover. Rarely have we seen a person fail, Kate, who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And I'll leave you with this. If you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Kate, if you will work these steps and divorce yourself from all the thinking, all the trying to figure it out and understanding, your recovery is guaranteed. If you keep thinking and keep trying to figure it out, your recovery is less than guaranteed. Stop thinking, get a sponsor, work the steps, and you will be amazed before you are halfway through. And uh, thanks for your question. We got Thank you very in, much. Melanie. I think we did. I think we had a chance to just wring it all out of us today. (laughs) An exciting recording this is going to be. Thank you so much. And uh, that's it, man. This is a wrap. The share ID number for this meeting for today, Sunday, January 7th, 2024, is 21013, 21,013. And thanks so much, all of you, for your questions today. It was a marvelous thing to be ringside to this particular event. Let's close like as we do in our fashion, as we always do for a vision for you by reading from the big book. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.